Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJ Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. There's a quarterback that I know from Milwaukee that had visions of making it big in the National Football League. He had all the physical attributes, but wanted an opportunity on the grandest stage of them all in the National Football League. So this quarterback eventually played in the WAC, and he lit it up. I mean, he played college football for Nevada where he was named the WAC Offensive Player of the Year twice and became the only player in FBS history to amass 10,000 passing yards and 4,000 rushing yards in a career. After graduating, he was selected in the second round of the draft. So he's a two-time WAC Offensive Player of the Year. NFL record, when he got to the National Football League, the NFL record for the most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game at 181 yards. The NFL record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single postseason at 264 yards. And so he gets into the NFL and he's able to really turn some heads. After being a backup, the same quarterback signed a six-year contract extension worth $126 million, including $54 million in potential guarantees. And $13 million fully guaranteed. That quarterback is Colin Kaepernick. When I say his name, Colin Kaepernick, what goes through your mind? What images do you see in your head when I say Colin Kaepernick? Kaepernick, like so many others, that stand for social justice openly, unapologetically, is bound to be immediately polarizing, right? Polarizing to those that like the status quo, resistant to change. I believe, because I have some common sense, not a lot, but I have some common sense, because as grandma used to say, you know, common sense is not common. But I believe that Colin Kaepernick was blackballed out of the National Football League because of his social beliefs. A real blackballing. Right in front of our eyes. Hadn't seen that since Craig Hodges was with the Bulls. But I know it when I see it, and you saw it too. The NFL owners and Roger Goodell took Kaepernick out of the league because he believed that it was wrong that bad cops kill people of color and abuse the uniform. So Kaepernick had this quote. He says, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. You see, when you step out of the shadows and say enough is enough, it can be very surprising. Some say that person stands up for what's right. Yes, bad cops and police reform has to get better. And others say, shh, 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 shh. I'm good with the blood in the streets as long as it's not on my block. Like all of us, Colin Kaepernick is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. 
there are no perfect athletes. The reason why is because they're human, just like you and I make mistakes. I play, I'll make plenty of them. I won't even use you. I'll use me. I'll make plenty of mistakes. But I didn't think that the approach for Colin Kaepernick is necessarily the way I would have went. But I understand he wants to make a point of what is going on in our world. I wouldn't have worn pick socks to express my dismay over police in this country. I wouldn't have done that, but he did. There's some things in his past, as far as him getting fined for things that uh, were not NFL protocol, he got fined for them. But the point is, is that Colin Kaepernick had it right on the surface. And that is to be able to shine a light on what we're looking at on our social media and on our TVs on a daily basis. Now more than ever, now more than uh, for a long time with this Floyd story. It just comes to, it just kind of goes to show you that no matter who you are, when you stand up for something, everyone's not going to agree. I continue to hear quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King on radio and television. People are pulling King quotes uh, like they're lottery tickets. They continue to pull the King quotes to try to be able to heal or try to find some kind of safe space in all of this. But as much as we revere Dr. King, my family, many families that I know revere Dr. King for what he stood for as a hero in this country. Time Magazine says that nationally, whites support uh, of the civil rights movement continued to be low throughout the 1960s. In 1966, a year after Selma and the passage of the Voting Rights Act, only 36% of white people said that King was helping the cause. 85% of white people surveyed said that demonstrations by Negroes on civil rights hurt the advancement of that cause, while 30% of black respondents felt the same. See, King was not popular, even by his own people, even by black people. Because when you stand up and you stand alone and you're trying to rally people around you to say, hey, what's going on in our country is wrong. Everyone is not going to be with you. People will hear what I've said over the past few days and what others have said or what others have written, and they will look at all of this as marches and protests against the boys and the girls in blue, the men and women that are police. And that's not what this is. Colin Kaepernick was not trying to put a bullseye on the back of police. Colin Kaepernick was saying, man, why do we continue to get shot in these streets? And why do cops get off when you have empirical evidence of the videos? Who knows what happens in this George Floyd story? We know the latest, of course, but we don't know what the end result is going to be. And then what happens to our world after the George Floyd verdict? What happens after that, after this case is done? Who knows? Point is, is that so many that have stood up for what they believe was right and I use Dr. King, I'll use Malcolm X, I'll use so many others that stood up and did it their way was not 100% on, everyone was 100% on board with it. 
as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Let's go back in time and hear from Colin Kaepernick. So the questions came to him a lot when he played in the NFL. He was asked, why did he continue to kneel? Why did he continue to sit? Yes, I'll continue to sit. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. Uh, To me, this is something that has to change. And when there's significant change, and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent, and this country is representing people the way that it's supposed to, I'll stand. Specifically, what would you like to see change in order for you to stand? There's a lot of things that need to change. Uh, one, One specifically is police brutality. There's people being murdered unjustly and not being held accountable. Cops are getting paid leave for killing people. That's not right. That's not right by anyone's standards. Kaepernick went on to say that not everyone receives the same justice. You know, I have great respect for men and women that have fought for this country. I have family. I have friends that have gone and fought for this country. And they fight for freedom. They fight for the people. They fight for liberty and justice for everyone. And that's not happening. I mean, people are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their end of the bargain up as far as, you know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. It's something that's not happening. And I've seen videos. I've seen circumstances where men and women that have been in the military have come back and been treated unjustly by the country they fought for and have been murdered by the country they fought for on our land. That's not right. There was so much backlash from the NFL and NFL owners because of Kaepernick's protest for him kneeling during the national anthem. As I mentioned, I'm different than him in which I probably would have done it differently to be able to shine a light on this major issue in our country. But he did it the way he wanted to. And he lost his job because he was saying pretty much stop killing black people, police that end of sentence right there with a period. And so you would think that Roger Goodell, the sheriff of the NFL would have been able to bring together both sides, bring together the owners and Colin Kaepernick. But of course it's Roger Goodell. So he balked and he's on the side of the owners and It's still a polarizing issue. And guess what? When we get back to the NFL, once again, this conversation will come up. See, it's it's a it's a weird thing in our world, in our society, because you don't have to have come up to a really bad neighborhood or a one parent home or trying to figure out how ends meet. You don't have to live that life to be able to have empathy for those that have had the struggle of being someone that is targeted by police, bad police. I don't necessarily have to qualify this. I think for this UTH audience, I think that, you know, guys, what I'm talking about, but you know, reason why is because these killings happen in our social, on our social media, seemingly on a weekly basis. So you know what I'm talking about? This is not a referendum on saying all cops are bad. And I think it, for, for those that are um, clueless, I got to keep saying that sometimes because people tune in and just like, oh, he's saying all bad. This is not what this is about. I want to make sure it's clear. Point is, is that when it comes to people that have had a tough background, 
um, or those that are from an affluent neighborhood of color, man, when you're black, when you're Latino, when you're Asian, you don't know uh, what the next step is when you're pulled over by police. You don't know. Everybody has a different experience, but the experience for black people in particular is a very difficult one. It's a, it's a historic one. It's layered by so many stories over the years. This George Floyd thing is not a one-off. This is not new. I've been saying this a lot. It's not new. It just seems like it's hitting different because we see these protests all over the country about this saying, gosh, look, I'm white. I need for this to stop. Please stop killing unarmed black people. So after the initial uh, protest, Kaepernick pledged to donate $1 million to organizations working in oppressed communities. He donated $25,000 to the Mothers Against Police Brutality organization that was started by Colette Flanagan. Uh, whose son fell victim to police brutality. Uh, Kaepernick also announced that he would make his uh, final $100,000 donation to the Million Dollar Pledge. Uh, And and so every time I'm looking for anything from Kaepernick, I'm seeing that he's giving and trying to help people. And that's a good thing. As part of that Know Your Rights camp, those are all positives. Even in a cause that is polarizing, he just continues to work. And he's even though he's been blackballed out of the NFL, he still continues to work on the ground, working in the, doing a grassroots effort. And that's a positive. That's a really good thing. The reason why Kaepernick is even a topic here tonight is because there are rumors that the Minnesota Vikings were interested in bringing him in. And I would say that Kaepernick does not have to go back to the NFL. This is that would be the ultimate in tokenism. To be able to say after three and a half years, you know what, uh, George Floyd's dead. Here's a job. There's there. I think Kaepernick's career was done several years ago. It's not about one loss record. It's not about a build. It's just that like this is done. And so we just have to be able to look in the history books and say Kaepernick, who was a definitely a guy that could either be a backup or starter in this league. And if he wasn't a starter, definitely be on someone's roster was not allowed to play because of his beliefs socially. This is not a a political situation. It had nothing to do with politics. It had to do with social change. And he lost his job because of social change. And that's the end of that book. Now, the rest of that book would be him continuing to work with people. But as far as the NFL and Kaepernick, I'd be surprised if he was able to make a roster. That whole dog and pony show, that was screwed up on both sides. Like Kaepernick trying to figure out like where he should work out. He moves to work out. The NFL, like all that stuff. It was just, that was nothing last year. That was nothing. He wasn't getting back to the NFL. And I think that that book has closed. Uh, If any team offers Kaepernick an opportunity, that would tell me exactly what that is. And that is you didn't believe in him when when he was in his prime, when he could help you. Now you're doing it now because George Floyd is dead, because there are millions protesting across this country. That's nonsense. Get out of here with that. Kaepernick in the NFL, as far as him playing, is not a conversation in the show anymore. The conversation is, is that Kaepernick, as we close the chapter, lost his job because he's pointed out what we saw in that videotape. A cop with his knee in the back of the neck of George Floyd and killing him. That was it. Coming up next, speaking of tone deaf, 
it just permeates around the National Football League. We'll explain next on UTH. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Glad you're with me here on this Wednesday night, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget to download the ESPN Chicago app if you have not done so. The hell of an app. You can listen live to our broadcasts. Also, check out our podcast, any shows that you might have missed. Look, I'm working weeknights between 7 and 10. You might be busy with family. You might be working, whatever that you're doing. But you can always check out the podcast. If you uh, need to catch up on our shows and our content, you can yell at me at 2 or 3 in the morning. If, if that's what time you listen to the show, that's fine. Just check out the ESPN Chicago app and click under the hood and you're right there. So I appreciate you listening as well. Uh, Tyler, let's go back yesterday to uh, Vic Fangio, the former defensive coordinator for the Bears and uh, the head coach for the Denver Broncos. Last night we um, discussed this and I was trying to see it from Fangio's standpoint, and I was doing trying to stand up for Fangio, and, and Sean Davis wasn't having it. So I was I was playing the part of Vic Fangio, and Sean was playing the part of, I guess, many uh, that feel that uh, Fangio was wrong. Let's go back, and and of course I tried, Tyler. I just I was I failed to be his defensive his uh, defense attorney, uh, Fangio. I tried. It, it didn't work, and there's a reason, I'll, which I'll explain. Let's go back in time and hear from Vic Fangio. Make our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. Um, we're a league of uh, meritocracy. You, you earn what you get. You get what you earn. Um, I don't see um, racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. You know, we live in a great atmosphere, like I alluded to earlier. We're lucky. We, we all live together, joined as one for one common goal, and we all intermingle and mix tremendously. You know, if the society reflected an NFL team, we'd all be great. So, of course, there was backlash from what Vic Fangio said. Uh, uh, Earlier today, uh, he says, after reflecting on my comments yesterday and listening to the players this morning, I realized what I said regarding racism and discrimination in the NFL was wrong. While I have never personally experienced those terrible things firsthand during my 33 years in the NFL, I understand that many players, coaches, and staff have different perspectives. I should have been more clear, and I'm sorry. I just want to make the point yesterday that there is no color within the locker rooms I have been in or uh, on the playing fields that I've coached on. Unfortunately, we don't live or work Uh, only within those confines. Outside of those lines, both in the NFL and society, there is a lot of work to be done in the areas of diversity and providing opportunities across the board for minorities. Um, And so that was part of his statement that he made. Um, Vic Fangio is a microcosm of some that feel that, as he just mentioned, for someone who's been in the job around the NFL for so long, he doesn't see color. Doesn't see racism, doesn't see the issues because he's there watching film. He's there trying to get a rapport with every individual player that he's coaching. And so he feels like he's uh, not above it, 
but doesn't see it because he is just on a, on a, a plane in which he's just trying to win the next game trying to find out how to get to the quarterback, trying to find out how to be able to do his job and so he can keep his job and to enhance the play of the players that he's coaching. He didn't see any of the rest of that. And that's why when you hear Vic Fangio say those things, it was, yeah, people were upset about it. But, you know, Vic Fangio represents a lot of people that are just comfortable in where they live and what they do, and they don't see anything else. That's not everybody, but he's but Vic Fangio is just very comfortable in his football bubble and not realizing some of the pain and some of the stress that some players have in their lives socially, dealing with race, dealing with issues. Of course, completely tone deaf. But when you just got the sweatshirt on and you're just lumbering up and down the steps and just trying to get to the tape room, talk to the players, get yourself ready for another game, uh, then then he doesn't know anything else, apparently outside of his own football bubble. Similar to many that just go to work, go, come home, put on Netflix, get, have some wine, and not worry about the troubles of the world. And by the way, you have every right to do that. Uh, but I will also say this. That when someone says that we have issues as far as discrimination in this country and you say, oh, uh, I don't see discrimination. Listen, my block is great. I even have black friends or I even have friends of color. I don't understand. Well, if nothing else, as many hosts on this station have said, you can at least listen. You have to at least be able to listen. And if you're if you're intolerant to listen, then we don't have a conversation. And, and, And again, it always comes across especially from people like me that I'm poking my finger in your chest, white woman, white girl, you know, a white man, white boy and saying, Oh, you're talking about me. I'm not talking about you. What I'm saying is, is that there are uh, systemic issues in this country. Uh, that is that people turn a blind eye to it's actually there, but no one's telling you to change. You be who you are, but understand that these issues are happening. If you're not willing to be able to see that, that's fine. We don't have a conversation. But this is not me telling you how to feel. Just like these players probably talked to Vic Fangio and said, hey, when it comes to discrimination, yeah, there's only a, uh, only two or three black coaches in the NFL. Yeah, there are issues. Yeah, Richie Incognito was a problem in the NFL. Yeah, that was one. And it just and th- there's a list of these things here that you can be able to name as far as a disconnect even in the National Football League, in locker rooms. I'm not in all the locker rooms. Neither are you. But to, to say that there's nothing going on from his view, he has to open his eyes even as a leader of men and realize and listen. That's what it comes down to. Again, if you're intolerant and not willing to listen, fine. Fine. This, the, you're out of the circle. But when it comes to trying to figure out what, what the needs of people are and, and listen to the plight and uh, something that's different than your background, then I don't think that's a bad thing. That's for me. That's for you. That's for anyone else. Why wouldn't I want to listen to your background? Why wouldn't I want to listen to uh, things that are on your mind? Why would I just turn a blind eye to it? We can uh, disagree. We can agree, but I'll at least listen. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So people got after Fangio and I just kind of, you know, when I read it, I was not, I was not angry about it. I wasn't upset by it because Fangio represents a, a number of people that will just look at what their circumstances are trying to get through the day 
and are not concerned with someone else's circumstances or doesn't see this, doesn't see other people's circumstances. I'm not upset by it. It's just, it's, it's cause it's typical of some people, not all, but some people. Um, so Alan Robinson of the, uh, Chicago bears, uh, got a chance to talk to the media today uh, about the same issue with Vic Fangio. Uh, some thoughts from Alan Robinson. Good. Wondering if you were aware of the comments by Vic Fangio yesterday to his team. And if, if so, what you thought about him? Um, I, I am not aware of uh, the comments about Vic, to be honest. Um, I, did not, I did not see that. Um, basically, he was just saying how the NFL locker room is not like society. And if, if everybody would perform like in an NFL locker room, society would be much better off because you're all working towards one common goal. He didn't see race as an issue so much in NFL locker rooms. And he, he drew some heat for that. Um, I think that he has a point because I think that the point that he probably was trying to state was just the fact that, you know, um, it doesn't matter big, small, white, black, uh, Hispanic, Asian, whatever the case may be, you know, uh, the best um, are put on the field for what they do and what they bring to the table to achieve one common goal. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, is that, you know, it's not looking at to see the color of somebody's skin or or this or that, or whatever the case may be. It's about looking at that person and evaluating that person as a person, you know, and what they bring to the table as a human being. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with their skin. You know, so um again I would have to go back and and uh and uh, and uh, read the read the quote that he said, but I mean for for the for the gist of it that I took from, you know, I don't think that it was um it was negative or anything like that. You know, I think that he's just saying that, you know, in the locker room, guys are evaluated for who they are as, as people and as, and as, and as players and character wise. And I think the last thing, you know, is the color of their skin um, that's being uh, evaluated. Your thoughts there from Allen Robinson was not aware of every, all the, the details of what uh, the soundbite that we heard, but like I, like I said, for for Vic Fangio to have to walk those comments back, it's kind of like, man, you're you're. I mean, you're in this football bubble, and you just have to be able to listen to other people to find out well, what is going on with you personally. What is what is your background, and what can I do about it as a leader of men? That's what that's would be my approach. Because could would you as a head coach just turn your back on black players or or all the players in your locker room, and you're just focused on trying to win, trying to get the big W? Or would you try to be able to find out about your players? I think I could do both. I think I can try to win and also find out the background of of players and find out what is going through their mind, right? It doesn't make you soft. It doesn't make you liberal or conservative because the side of the aisle of all of this has nothing to do with it. It just comes down to humanity. All of this, for me, is about humanity. Every single bit of it. It's about humanity. It's about how you treat your fellow man. And if you're not doing that um, as well as you should, then you have to do a self-evaluation or you'll get left behind. As simple as that. Uh, when it comes to Vic Fangio, like I, I, I heard some of the shows uh, leading into our show, just the outrage and just like the, the being appalled. No, Vic Fangio is, is even at his advanced age has to be able to learn that there's more to life than just trying to win the next game. That there is actually there are issues in the NFL that have to be straightened out. That's and again, it goes back to nobody's perfect. No league is perfect. 
Nobody's perfect, including me. Far from it. But if you just stand still and you let time get past you, this is, you know, then you'll be the one that's left behind. Matt McGill from WVON Radio will join us to tell us what's going on in the city of Chicago today. That is next right here on UTH. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Protests continue across this country, including uh, Chicago. We turn to the great Matt McGill, afternoon host from 1690 WVON in Chicago. The Southsider joins me here on ESPN 1000 as we talk about what's going on in our city with George Floyd. Uh, Matty Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Jay Hood, brother, as always, it's a pleasure to be on with uh, another Southsider and uh, somebody who I listen to, man, you know, I had to take notes, listen to you so I could learn how to run my show, brother. So it's a pleasure <laughs> to be on with you. I should be putting my, my Timberlands on with all that BS you give me. <laughs> I need to, I need the high boots for that. That's for sure. uh, uh, so, uh, Matt, um, uh, I've, I've been there for, for you for sports commentary and I just want you to be here for me because, uh, we're going through a very difficult time. I just want to, first of all, just checking on you during this time, uh, and just getting your thoughts overall as this story started to develop, what was your initial reaction to the George Floyd uh, murder? You, you know what? Um, like everybody else, man, I was just disgusted with seeing what, what I saw. Uh, unfortunately, I think we all have kind of been coarsened uh, by these videos. We've seen them over the years. Rodney King, we've seen uh, the Eric Gardner video. Uh, Walter Scott, uh, Philando Castile, and of course here in Chicago, uh, we've seen the Laquan McDonald video too many times, right? But it, there's something about this moment, not necessarily the video, but this moment that uh, is striking a nerve with people. And it, it might be the fact that, you know, the COVID-19 has got us all in the house more, so we're paying more attention to the news and you know, we see in this video over and over again, um, you know, this, you know, this is hitting us in a different way. But time is going to tell whether or not it has an impact on uh, what's going on in the country moving forward. Right. Um, I'm seeing evidence, though, of people um, multiracially coming together to protest, even though we've seen that before in other protests. Uh, but I, I I think I'm seeing for the first time police officers having a reaction to this moment. Um, that that divide that has always existed between civilian and law enforcement, especially with the African-American community, there appears to be a little crack. It appears to be as we, and I know you've seen some of these uh, videos, uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan, police officers that have been kneeling down and and it's saying, we understand. I think some of them have a reaction to this video that maybe they didn't have two previous videos. And that's really uh, the piece of glass that we have to break uh, because it's when police officers, who we know the majority of them are good cops, when they understand that something is wrong about this video, that maybe we, we are going to make some, some, some progress here. Maybe we're going to make some progress here, and, and I hope that's the case. And, and you hope that that crack goes all the way up through the politicians, 
and even to the president of the United States, man, that, you know, the president is saying some of the right things, but he doubles down on saying some of the not so right things. Right. And so when we can get leadership to say outright, hey, this is wrong. And if you follow me and vote for me and you wear red hat and uh, MAGA and all that, um, then you will agree with me that this is wrong and we can't have this in America. When that happens, then I think we'll, we'll, we'll truly see some progress moving toward making sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Matt, how surprised are you uh, at the coast to coast? We're seeing protests for George Floyd. Usually when we are seeing these stories, there's protests in the city that happens. It becomes regional. You'll have pockets uh, in some of the major cities uh, when it comes to stories like this. But when you're seeing all 50 states having some kind of protest, and this is a week, this is uh, what is it, night eight of this. How surprised are you that we're seeing this all over the country? You, you know what, Hood, I, I was a little surprised at first, but I'm not now because I think, again, you know, you've got college students who are at home, high school students who are at home, and you've got young adults who just graduated uh, over the last 10 years who are not in the office place. They are at home. And for if you just think about the people in this country who are 35 and under, they have seen this over and over again, right, to the point where they're, they're like, wait a minute. This, this can't be happening again. You know, some of these young people are realizing, like, wait a minute, we, you know, we, we, we saw Eric Gardner, we saw, uh, we heard about Trayvon Martin, didn't have a video on that, we saw Laquan McDonald, and we were just, some people were thinking this maybe doesn't happen that often, right? Mm -hmm. But now some of these young people, man, this is the majority of their life that they're seeing videos and, vi you know, it's, it's going viral. So I think you're, you're seeing with this, this um, multiracial group that's out here protesting from coast to coast. Some of these young people are just like, this is not the America that I, that I bought into when I was, you know, my parents, you know, told me is the greatest country in the world. This can't happen. This can't continue to happen, you know? Uh, and, and so I think the reaction to have, and then for those of us who are, who are 35 and over, and, you know, you and I are 35 and over. Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I think it's hidden us as well that, you know, we're, we're better people than this. We're a better country than this. Man, look, we've got a new police um, union president, right, that just took over, turned over police, mm -hmm. who was a Trump supporter, wears his hat proudly. And, all. and you know what? That doesn't matter to me. All I want from from this guy is to, brother, you can vote for whoever you want to. You can support whoever you want to politically. Just can you and I agree that this is wrong? So I think I think we we've got to get closer to that. Dude, I don't care if you su you support Trump. Fine. This is a democracy that has been been built, you know, uh, over the years that allows us that freedom to vote for who we want to. But the one thing you hope we all agree on is when we see something with our eyes that we know the difference between right and wrong and that we agree on that. And if that is happening right now, then I think we're moving in the right direction. I think we're always going to have race is always going to be an issue in America because mm -hmm. that's just this country. Rioting is always going to be 
in America, man. It's part of our DNA. This country, I mean, Boston Tea Party, you can go back to the 1800s, 19, you know, 20s. Look at all the riots that have happened. That is part of how this country has become the democracy that it is, right? Protesting usually leads into some riots, right? The Boston Tea Party was, you know, going in, going teal overboard in, into the Boston Harbor. But the majority of our riots has been about labor issues, man, union issues, and and you know the the you know freedom for uh, fair wages, and, and and they have been bloody over the years. I mean, the the number of deaths that we've had in Chicago compared to like there was a riot in 1901 over, over labor issues. I mean, there was like, you know, 21 people died in that riot compared to today. So this is part of who we are as a country, these protests that lead into riots that become bloody and turn into looting, all that. That's a part of who we are. The question is, where do we go from here? What progress do we make as a result? And do we become, you know, a, a better country? Matt McGill from uh, WVON, afternoon host with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, During your show, um, we found out that there was uh, all four uh, police officers involved in the murder of George Floyd um, had been uh, charged. What is the likelihood uh, with uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison, what is the likelihood of a conviction with Ellison in charge? Well, you know what? What what does it come down? Can you convince 12 jurors, right, of the same, that that they are hearing and seeing the same thing? Mm -hmm. And that is always a risk. I think originally the charge, third-degree murder, you know, kind of created more of an opportunity to get a conviction as you up the charges on Derek Chauvin uh, to second degree. You got to prove a little more, and can you convince a full jury? that uh, that this is worthy of second degree. And the, and the same thing happens with the other cops. I think if you were to ask me that question a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, you and I both would have been like, ah, these cops aren't going to jail. But look at what we've seen over the years, man. We've, we've seen Jason Van Dyke go to jail. First time in history that's ever happened in this city. And a lot of it is, I want to say yes because of our moral compass, but a lot of it is because of the pressure and the protesting and the writing that's forcing people to look at how this impacts people of color, how this impacts us overall. If we treat one segment of our country this way, then we are a weaker country overall. So I think the possibility of getting convictions on on Everybody, all four, is good. Definitely on the one officer, Derek Chauvin. Um, might be a little more of a challenge, but I think the likelihood is better today than it has ever been. Matt, on your show, um, what has been the feedback that you've received from listeners and callers about the local area businesses? Because, you know, being in, in South Shore, seeing what's happening in, uh, in Calumet Heights, seeing what's happening, um, Auburn Gresham and businesses like that. You could see some of the boarded up, uh, boarded up uh, buildings where there were smashed windows. The cleanup has been terrific as I uh, circled around there. Uh, so what has been uh, the latest on that front? I think my listeners are, in one word, disappointed. They really are disappointed. They're disappointed, but they understand that um, this is, 
a consequence of years of of communities being um, under-resourced, right? You know, where where you have the kind of looting that we've seen, um, that's a direct result of poverty. That is a result of people who are poor, and they see an opportunity to get something for free. We tend to understand more when people go into a grocery store and loot because they're getting food. And we, we, we tend to be a little more understanding of that because, you know, we understand that you need food to, to live. We're a little less sympathetic when we see people going into liquor stores and going into uh, some of the stores downtown and, and Nike town and gym shoes and some of the stuff that maybe you don't need. Uh, we're disappointed in it. My listeners on, on WVON are disappointed, yet at the same time, we kind of understand that, you know, part of, of this is the result of historic um, under-resourcing of communities and pushing one group of people up against the wall of poverty. And you're going to get behavior that is not correct when you have people who are poor and they see a door open and an opportunity to get something for free. My, my listeners don't condone it. They don't like it. Um, but we understand the history of under-resourced neighborhoods and, and that it creates this. Now they're very critical. Let me, let me want to be very clear on this, uh, Jonathan. They're very critical of the opportunists that exist in these crowds because they're, are other people who are out here protesting peacefully and not being destructive. And so we want more people to be like that. Uh, there's no excuse for stealing, looting, and tearing up your own neighborhood. Um, so we, we, we are disappointed overall, but we think this is something that was set into motion, not just by George Floyd, but just the history of this kind of treatment um, on black people by law enforcement uh, over the years. Maddie, Matt, I'm glad you spent some time and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again. When we talk again, we'll talk about these nine and seven, eight and eight bears coming up for the 2020 season. So I look <laughs> forward to what I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Man. <laughs> Let's make it happen, please. Brother. Matt, I'm glad you spent some time and thank you so much for your perspective. Thank you, Jonathan. Always, brother. It is uh, Matt McGill, afternoon show host for WVON 1690, uh, with me here on uh, ESPN 1000. Jesse Rogers will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We get his thoughts on how close baseball uh, is to returning. Boy, there's so many irons in the fire and so many different twists and turns when it comes to Major League Baseball and this labor issue between the owners and the players. We'll address it as we move forward right here on UTH. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. And still no baseball season. And I don't know when it's going to occur. I, I just know this, that there's a good possibility that we're just going to just get a plethora of, of sports just jammed into all in one time in the summer into the fall. And there's going to be some hurt feelings ratings wise for some of these sports, college football for, 
for NASCAR, golf. It is just going to be they're going to need like three hour sports center blocks to be able to get all this stuff in. You can't get all that stuff in in an hour just based on just some of the negotiations and things that are not happening. Um, you know, as a baseball fan, I am just um, crestfallen that we do not have baseball yet. But I'm also of the understanding that you know there's always this push and pull between owners and players. It's just part of the situation that you and I have as fans just waiting to see how it all materializes. All I know is this every single day that there's no baseball, it hurts the sport. There is no Sosa and McGuire home run chase that can be able to mask the uh, damage that baseball has done during this pandemic, during this time where this record unemployment, where people are at home, um, people are looking for entertainment. And the entertainment should not be Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. That should not be the entertainment. The entertainment should be uh, a baseball because this is their season. And so we'll hear from Jesse coming up at 8 o'clock. But Jesse and Jeff Passion have been right on top of this every day giving us updates. And so the one thing I'm going to talk to Jesse about is the Major League Baseball rejected the player's offer for a 114-game regular season with no additional salary cuts and told the union it did not um, – plan to make a counter-proposal. You know, players made their proposal on Sunday uh, up from an 82-game regular season in management's offer last week. Um, so the opening day would be June 30th, and the regular season would end on October 31st, nearly five weeks after the September 27th conclusion. Um, so if it ended on October 31st, okay, well, I mean, we've seen baseball go that far for sure. But here's the rub major league baseball told the union it had no interest in extending the uh, season into November. And I totally understand that there's always this fear of like the second wave of the coronavirus. If there is a second wave of the coronavirus, apparently just based on how all these sports, baseball and basketball UFC is already in it uh, in NASCAR. Some of these are just like, if, if there is coronavirus or someone has it, they're not going to stop the season. They will make sure that person's quarantined and just keep it moving. They'll try to keep people as safe as possible. Um, some thoughts from Jeff Passan, though, because we got to hear his thoughts uh, about how the 2020 season may hinge on the number of games. The league doesn't want to do 60 to 114 games. It's talking even fewer than that. And the big question at this point is going to be whether the players are willing to do something that short. Because remember, if you're playing 50 games instead of the 82 that was proposed initially, if you're playing 50 out of 160, you're looking at all, you know, less than a third of their salary there. Is that something that the players are going to be willing to do? The league believes that in that March agreement, it has the ability to set the schedule. Now, we have to remember this March agreement has been a bone of contention already. The league has not believed that the players have the right to a full pro rata share from that agreement. That's something that the players have been stuck on. And it's going to be interesting to see what the response is to this, considering just how quickly the league could be getting back to the union on this. I've talked about this um, several times in the show that I'm never one to be able to talk about what a player is making or, and in that saying that it's a negative, like somebody's making this and like, yeah, this guy's making $200 million and he was, he went two for 30. Oh, this guy's making a hundred million dollars. And I can't believe that he threw five touchdowns over 12 games. You'll never hear me say that because we all earn our money. 
of course, even the entertainers, the one percenters that can do things that you and I can't do, everybody earns their money. But the thing that I will never understand, and this is why Jesse's going to come on with us, is just how owners can't find a way to be able to find money uh, to be able to pay players. All these owners that are millionaires or billionaires could find a way to be able to play, uh, pay players or to be able to negotiate deferred salaries. Uh, I've been on that from day one. Defer that money. Say that you're going to get your contract, just not right now. Uh, and maybe that brings the size closer along with other things that obviously they can negotiate. But it just, you know, I, I can't help but to take a look at the money that's been out there and just the proposals back and forth. And it all comes down to millionaires and billionaires. And it's so unfortunate because it just leaves us on the side of the road, you and I as fans. It just, it's, it just, uh, it, it's bad, especially here in the month of June when we are bereft of any sport to watch on a daily basis and we're just left holding the bag here. Uh, I really like Jesse's piece on Tom Ricketts uh, because he's one of the few owners that spoke out about the lack of cash flow that's uh, that the Ricketts and the, and the Ricketts family are, are going through here with the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk to Jesse about that column and try to find out from Jesse because Jesse will tell me. I mean, he and I have been friends for over 25 years. He'll tell me the real. Did he believe everything that Ricketts said? We'll find out next on UTH.